Say that the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Gwen Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Just being very easy to deal with. Yep. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA, Jed Brewer. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I started eating Fritos, and I thought you were going to get to me later, but Jed's introduction answer was really short. So, well, there is that. Through the Fritos, hello. Well, listeners, the, the amount of Frito bag you hear on this week's episode will tell you a lot about how much time and energy I had in the edit. <laughs> just, just read that for yourselves. See also mic tapping and drink noise putting down. Sure. Well, we uh, sometimes, you know, we the emergencies arise organically, and sometimes something happens in real life that uh, we'll, we'll stop down and say, you know what? I think we need to talk about that. Sure. Okay. We recently had wait, wait, such a situation. I, I, was, uh, I was thinking, though, that we'd get down to the wisdom. No, you weren't. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Point well taken. <laughs> fair enough. Just trying something. Move along. <laughs> See, they say in improv, the key is yes and. <laughs> I'm adopting a new no period. <laughs> but we were at the, we had some lovely earnest church folk who come volunteer with this bridge invited us to a a lovely rooftop barbecue in scenic the the scenic near north side of chicago which we attended right enthusiastically and of our own free will (laughs) yeah wow that seems inaccurate indeed it is it really is but uh, we 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 got talking to the people as we do, and kind of talk start talking about some things we often talk about on the podcast. And then Glenn had a stroke of genius. Glenn, would you like to care to share this with us? Well, here's the thing, you know, we you know uh, we we we're kind of out of touch, sure, yep. because uh, we live in uh, what's basically you could describe it as an ivory tower. Sure, you know? I think that's a fair assessment. Sure. And people, you know... It's literally uh, a basement that often floods, which is kind of the opposite of an ivory tower, but theoretically. People send us gifts and, and foodstuffs, and, you know, we Totally spontaneously, and not because we spent 15 minutes of the show berating them. It's you know. it's basically like a monastic existence. Very much so. Where there's also... Uh, Video game. Is your understanding of monasteries that people just send them gifts? <laughs> yeah. And they eat Cheetos. Yeah. So here's what I'm Abbott dealing. Glenn, they called him. So here's what happens is we we you, we ask the people, how's it going? Yeah. And then they tell us, and then we give them the amazing wisdom. Well, we're talking to these two lovely uh, young ladies there at the at the party, you know, at, like you do. Sure, have absolutely. Have a conversation. And we told them about the podcast and so on and so forth. And we said, well, you know, you'd be surprised, but we get a lot of questions about dating. And they both kind of gave us a look like, well, that's that's the that's the problem we're dealing with here. All right. And, well, this group that we're, we're at turned out to be a singles 
thing. So okay. it's like a singles. Uh, gr- well, uh, it's the singles Bible study at this church that comes to the bridge. That's right. And we gotcha. were there, but we, we did not go. We did not crash the church singles barbecue. Uh, no, we were see. invited. We were invited. <laughs> and so we, um, so we talked to the ladies, and they said, you know, we're single. We're and we're dealing with a lot, you know. So we, you know, started investigating what's going on. So we asked them, well, what's what's the deal?" And you know, so on and so forth. Glenn put put on one of them two build hats, like in the Sherlock Holmes. Yes. To so investigate, dear stalker, Thank you're you. welcome. <laughs> uh, okay. So here's what happens: is I said, you know, we got to fix this, y'all. Sure. Okay. And uh, I said, you know what? You're at the beginning. All right. Okay. So you, what you have to do is do. What we did at the beginning when we were kids, because mm-hmm. uh, you guys don't have a lot of dating experience because you kissed it goodbye. And now you're trying to kiss a hello, and now we got issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta go to the beginning like we did at the beginning. I said, here's where it all starts. All okay, right. here's where the romance begins. Tell me, roller skating rink. Oh wow. yeah. Okay, I'm talking about disco ball. Yes. Right. Okay, we put the and it's got you know. Glenn, are you talking about a couple skate? I'm talking about couple skate. Couples only on this next song. Couples only on this next song. And then they throw in the journey. It could be journey. It could be the Bee Gees. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. Okay. I knew you were right. Did Glenn pull out his phone and start playing that through the speaker? (laughs) Yes. Okay. He did. So now, because you got to set the mood. Absolutely. I'm I'm trying to paint a what you call a word picture. It's very much like that. Okay. So I set it up, and I said, okay, here's the deal. Here's what's going on. We're going to have a roller skating rink party. We're going to have. We're going to bring in all the single dudes from the single dudes Bible study. We're going to bring in the single ladies from the single ladies Bible study. All the single ladies, all the single ladies are going to be sure. in the house. Well played, you know, sir. better put a Thank ring you. on it. And so then you get, you get, get them together. You put on the Bee Gees. You get the mirror ball going. You turn the lights down low. It's all couple skate all the right. time. You lock the doors, and you tell these dudes, you're asking these girls to couple skate or you ain't getting out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and that's how we fix it. In one stroke, boom. I believe they describe that as the economic principle of incentive. That's exactly right. They describe it other ways, too. <laughs> I wish that our listeners could see the look on Glenn's face when he held aloft his index finger, pointed it at Jed threateningly, and said, you're not getting out of here until you that's ask right. one of these ladies out. That's right. Well, that's to be right. clear, I I actually have asked a lady out. So, right. I've, well, no, that's the Glenn was, Glenn was you, engaging in the theatrics. You, oh, you're, I see. You're the you're the metaphorical. Uh, he got uh, swept person. away into the scene. Yeah, I see. You know, I I'm, see. I'm, uh, you know, you're you're standing in for it's a method actor. The the room fu- apparently room full of dudes who has never asked a single one of these <laughs> girls out I ever. See. I see. Okay, you're okay. in a singles group. That's because you're single. Okay. okay. She's in a singles group. She's single. What's, you know. This all sounds awesome. Here's my question is, is uh, immediately when I hear this brilliant idea, can we patent this, market it, spread it to other cities? Can we just have the the couple skate date, like, business 
that yes. you run. This I'm, is how we're going to change the whole thing. I'm not I'm, a legal expert, but I think patenting roller rinks, we may be a century or so. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying patenting the roller rink. I'm saying specific. It's like, you know, so like these days, one of the things I have, because we have little kids, so we know this. One of the big new kind of money-making businesses out there is these trampoline parks. They take a warehouse, they fill it full of trampolines, and people go in, buy the bracelet for an hour. And the ankle around. snapatorium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely, the amount of <laughs> injuries that happen at these places is is staggering however the trampoline is not a new thing but somebody says you know what let's just put it in a warehouse give charge people 10 bucks an hour for the bracelet or whatever it is and then we're golden what i'm saying is we have specific little uh skating rinks set up right there outside the churches little like mini rinks and then the couples the the single people go in they come out couples say that you know skatatorium it's on Lee, I love it. I think we can build on that because here's what the Christians love. Here's what the Christians love, man, is they love a book. So, yes, we got to franchise the Skatatorium, but I think we've also got to have a book that goes with this. Here's my submission. Couple skating for life. Wow. Skating date for life. Yeah. That, That has a certain arranged marriage vibe to it. Well, maybe that's what it takes at this point. <laughs> <I'm> t- <laughs> wow. This is what I'm saying. You know what, Jen? Um, <laughs> I love where you're headed with this. All right. I think one of the problems with uh, franchising and monetizing this, uh, this method will be so far, um, there are several crimes involved. Okay. Not the least of which is unlawful detention. <laughs> no, I don't think I, your business model can be, you don't get to leave. For, for me, I like this. You pick one, or we pick one for you. Okay. You know okay, I, mean? I like it. I like this it. This is it. Yes. You know, it's over now. You're thinking this is also analogous to the old school skating rink, where you want to get there early and be the first one in your size skates. Yes. Right. Otherwise, right. you're getting left with the ones where the stopper don't really work, and the right. back truck right. is a little loose. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You, it, it's one of those cases of, we're going to solve this problem. One way or another. One way or another. Yeah. Again, you're incentivized. I think that's the main thing is if 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 you feel as though there's no other way out, literally, you just can't get out of the. <laughs> Again, building. there's a lot of. Uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do any psychoanalysis on this show, Glenn. But uh-huh. a lot of your thoughts about marriage and love seem to revolve around being trapped. <laughs> well, you know that's for. No I'm reason. against that. <laughs> but, <laughs> no reason. Uh, no reason. Uh, but uh, this is the thing: is we put them in a roller skating rink. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you go up and say. Do you want a couple skate? Yeah. Okay. And this is what happens. You're holding hands. Yeah. And you skate. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. where the romance begins, man. That's where the romance begins. Yeah. You have you have taken your first step down the road to romance. Absolutely. Okay. Now, you know, we're ready to move forward from there. We can do all sorts of other things, but you have to begin at the beginning. That's yes. that's where that's where it all starts. So I think, you know, we, we have the the book. You know, how to skate your way into one another's hearts mm-hmm. <laughs> for life. Yes. You know, and uh, all, all of the analogies are skating related. Right. You know, on yeah. how to, to, to na- navigate your relationship. Absolutely. You know? And we package it. Okay. We're going to make a zillion dollars. This is what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? This yeah. is like a license to print money. Yeah. So, uh, and you're welcome. I think so, we pretty much just solved dating. Yeah. Does the does the book include like a playlist? Like, there's some Aaron Neville on there. There's little like is 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 that going to be part of this whole system for the skate and date for life? 
Yeah, I think you got to have the right soundtrack, and then you, you sell the soundtrack uh, CD later. Sure, know, sure, absolutely. you got to have a merch table. Oh, clearly, absolutely. And, mer- and when I say merch table, yes, it's a table where you sell merchandise. Oh, and That's fancy. why they call it. It's Insider a, lingo. It's a short uh, merchandise. You shorten it to merch. You Very it. clever. And you sell the book. You sell the the soundtrack. Very clever. And uh, people take away special memory. Sure. And also a girlfriend. Of the time a crazy man locked them in a room and made them skate. <laughs> I mean, you know, I get the feeling and this this part I'm I'm not entirely kidding about. If I if we put some of these guys Just to be clear, in, he wasn't kidding about any of this. No, yeah. I really actually I'm not. Here's what I'm saying. If we put some of these guys in a room and said, You're gonna ask one of these girls to skate right. and hold hands with her or else. Right. I think some of them might just try and jump out the window. Sure. I mean, it's just no some, of, some, of, some of these people are just too freaked out about this stuff. And you got to, you have to find a way to be cool. Sure. Be mellow. Totally. And hold hands and skate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But, hey, man, that, I'm with you. It's not a lifelong commitment. You you keep inserting the term for life into it though. Well, that's yeah. true. Well, that's yeah. that's, that's bad branding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, would it be better if we said you have to couple skate or die? Would that be? <laughs> I like that because like that's that. the opposite of for life. You know, sure. Skate or die. Skate or die. That's good. Um, good. It's catchy, you yeah. Know, it's punchy, but sure. it, it feels like it's not quite the right. <laughs> well, branding. it's catchy for certain reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like the bottom line here is we've solved dating. I, you know, once again, yeah. uh, I feel like we've come through. Well, yeah. I, I will say that actually, after flooding this idea and um, wiping the looks of abject horror off their face, um, <laughs> these these two young ladies turned to the leader of the the singles group of this thing and said, "I think we found. Um, I think we should have Glenn come talk at our next dating panel." Right. Yeah. At which point they then described what we were talking about, and this lady could not wipe the look of abject horror off her face. Yeah, she but was not interested. In if that. you would like Glenn to come to your church conference, retreat, or other speaking event, and come up with a unique way to lock you people in a room until everything's <laughs> fixed, um, just let us know. Just shoot us an email. Say that podcast at gmail dot com. I will say that a lot of Glenn's solutions for things involve locking the door and not letting people leave. Absolutely. We've had friends who say, you know, I preach this white suburban church and I, I like coming to the bridge and there's like interaction and amen and it helps. Like, I feel like people, I know when points have landed. I just don't know how to go to going to my church. And Glenn's thing is, well, I'll just stand up there and tell him I'm locking the doors. Right. And no one gets to leave until you all say amen. That's, you know, what it is, is uh, I don't like your methods. Yeah. But <laughs> by God, you get results. And that's, you know, that's. Uh, that's You're what... a maverick. I'm a loose cannon. You're a loose cannon. <laughs> What's your badge on my desk? <laughs> so that's uh, you know that's a little bit of theater that we just put together. But yeah. that's uh, this is uh, sometimes you if you're making a love omelet, yeah, you gotta break some <laughs> wow. uh, eggs of of fear. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad put you that, write that down. That's going in the book. Write that down. Okay. <laughs> Chapter one: Love omelet. 
<laughs> I thought you said it was going to be all skating analogies. Yeah, well, I was going to say uh, we're going to have to mix metaphor. Well, you, you're skating, you're omletting. It's a, it's a, you, you got an omelet station at the rink. Breakfast I mean, skating to love for life do, or do die. Do I have to think of everything on this podcast? Apparently, Apparently so. so. I mean, oh, Lord. Well, do you feel prepared to declare a bit of an emergency off? I declared an emergency. There, there was no emergency. You people are slipping. Yes. And then, yes, declare an emergency off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Emergency solved. Yeah. To Glenn, the cause of and solution to almost all of our emergencies. Yes. There you go. Well, if you'd like us to be able to build the Uncle Glenn Memorial Skating No Escape Center, <laughs> then you can give to Bridgebox. Ooh. $8 a month. Uh, we haven't done the math on this, but I imagine there's got to be a, a decrepit, almost certainly haunted skating rink or fairground with a skating rink in the greater Chicagoland area that we could get for pretty cheap. But it's- until then... It's basically like Maze Runner, but with skating. Yeah. There you go. Now now you're now you're marketing to the kids. Yes. I'm on it. I felt it. I yeah. felt they click right it's there. Good. Yeah. It's good. But until we can get Glenn's skate runner love or death scenario set up, we'll continue to hire part time employees and do ministry at the jailhouse uh, with folks coming out of residential pro- drug treatment programs, folks coming out of gangs, meeting with them every Tuesday, getting plugged into churches, getting them jobs, getting them uh, housing. We'll continue to do all that with the Bridgebox money. That's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Not only do you support some awesome ministry, if I do say so myself, you get awesome stuff every month. Bridgebox comes right to your inbox on the first every month. Songs, sermons, Bible studies, devotionals, lots of other good stuff. So sign up for that, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to get our first question here. If you have a question for us, hang out with us all the way the end and i'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us our first question comes in from our man ernie yip yep on the twitters there he says do you have any tips on evangelism to friends i'm wondering how you first initiate a conversation with him about that but in particular how would you go about explaining the gospel in a way that engages them or would be relevant to them jed wants to start us off uh well the the place to start actually uh, is not at all you saying anything um, the, the place to start is you laying the groundwork that they should care what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's an old phrase that says uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, and it's completely true. In, in this ministry, we talk about uh, the concept of earning the right to be heard. Uh, and the idea is that you demonstrate that you have love for your friends. You, you demonstrate that you're prepared to uh, be there for them when they're in need. And I don't mean be there for them with, you know, kind of Christian thoughts. I mean, if their car breaks down, right. you go pick them up. Um, you know, if they um, uh, need help moving, you you go help them move. You know, you, you stoop down and wash their feet. You actually be a servant to them in their lives. And through that, um, you prove that you love them and that you care about them um, so that when it comes time for talking, uh, people know that you're coming from a place of love. People know that um, you care about them. And and here's part of why that's important is um, uh, a certain amount of stuff, uh, even when it's true, uh, that you're trying to help people see when you're talking about spiritual stuff or you're in a semi kind of counseling situation can sound a little bit out there. Um, You want to have a person that's inclined to give you the benefit of the doubt as you're explaining things and breaking things down. Uh, what, What you don't want is a debate where yeah. um you know uh i you know i don't know if this guy knows anything and he's never done anything for me and besides that that's super super bad so the place that you want to start again is that concept of earning the right to be heard of, of living out and demonstrating um the love that that you have for them and i think if you as you do that ernie i think what you'll find is 
they are likely to come to you with maybe not questions about spiritual stuff directly, but about struggles and concerns and things that they have in their lives because they suspect you're a compassionate person who would be likely to be cool about stuff. And I bet that probably leads to step two. That's a lot of good stuff that I know Glenn is going to pick up later on. But Lee, for right now, can you give us a look at just kind of this? I, I think what Ernie's driving out here is what a lot of people think when they hear evangelism, which is what's the most effective way to get this person converted all in one fell swoop. And really, we're thinking about more of an ongoing kind of relational, I guess, long game might be the way to put it. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, I, well, I think the way that Jed started out on this is the exact right is the exact right thought, which is that this is not so much about having the brilliant, perfect thing to say that is that you know undoes all of my atheistic arguments that I've held on to my entire life. Oh, you were so brilliant in that moment that now I'm no longer an atheist. That was amazing. Yeah, like that's not the way the real world works. It's not the way you don't. Just as Jed said, you don't ever want to get caught up in this thing of. Can I know everything about every verse and every possible angle of this deal so that in no matter what debate I get in, I can always win? That's never what we want to do. What we want to do is, just as you're saying, this idea of a long game, we want to build a relationship with someone so that we can, well, first of all, actually love them and actually care for them. There's a phrase that you you probably, if you've listened to the show for a while, you you may have heard Glenn say before, may not have, but just this idea of, of starting a ministry time bomb, which is to say that you you start a relationship with somebody and you actually serve them and care for them. And that you're basically, you've lit the fuse on this, this bomb that's going to go off at some point in their heart. Now, they may be really far away from the Lord. They may think they've got it all together. They may have no questions, no problems, whatever. But the thing that we know about every single person is at some point that's going to fall apart. Yeah. At some point, their life isn't going to work. At some point, they're going to need some help. They're going to need a rescue. They're going to need a backup plan. And that's where the gospel comes in. And if you're the person that whole time, whether that's over a period of a few months or over a period of a few years, I've actually had people that I've worked with, you know, 10 years ago come back and say, can we have a conversation? I know I blew you off when I was in high school, but I need somebody to talk to now. Yeah. And, and you wind up being the person that you didn't even know it, but you lit that fuse 10 years ago, and now they realize you're the person that's got some answers for me. And, so, and then that bomb goes off. Because the thing about the gospel is the gospel is an answer. It is a rescue. So if someone doesn't sense that they need anything right now, if they're not, if they're not needy, if they don't need someone to uh, to, to rescue them, then you then you know you're wasting your words trying to talk them into a relationship with Jesus. All you want to do is is love them, be a good hang, be a good friend, be be honestly you, and uh, and when the door opens, then you get a chance to walk through it. Amen. That's absolutely fantastic stuff. And uh, Jed introduced us to a concept uh, that we use a lot in ministry around here that somebody invented. I can't. I can't remember who. I though. can't remember who. It's probably Pete. Um, called felt needs. Um, the idea of that. And Glenn, I know you're not. You, you're probably familiar with this concept. Uh, yeah. Would you? How about talk to you once we've once <laughs> we've acknowledged someone's felt needs and identified those? How do we? As as Leah's saying, the gospel is an answer to them. So how do we kind of weave that in? Well, and I think uh, really Lee is is setting up that idea of felt needs. I got I have to know what needs you feel you have. If I say to you, "Hey, here's the thing, um, you need eternal life in paradise. If you don't have it, then that would be like a really heavy bummer." That's 
that's I'm pointing to the biggest possible most important thing in the world, but it's but to you the most important thing in the world may be that you just went through a breakup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's more important that I talk about what does God think about your breakup than it is about this eternal life in a paradise thing that just for you right now is a million miles away. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's about speaking to that felt need, but but appointing that person back to Christ. And uh, that's one of those things where, uh, for us in ministry, we're used to doing that. Uh, we're used to uh, what these guys are describing is a process where you ask lots of questions, you do lots of listening, so you get a feel for that person's felt need. I think beyond that, uh, a, a part of what I'm hearing in Ernie's question here uh, is also a sense of, that moment where you bring it up, sure, and that that that's uh, often feels a little tense, and it feels like this is a little a, Ned Flandersy. Yeah, and it's a it can feel that way, and it's sort of a pregnant moment there, and you're you know, and it feels you know, but uh, the way I generally handle that, and I, you get the sense maybe from the emergency that I'm a bit of a, a, a you know, bull in a china shop on some of this stuff, but. For me, I find it easier to diffuse that and simply say, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm into that Jesus thing. Remind me, I want to bug you about that. Let's talk about that later, not now. You have other things going on. I want to talk to you about what you. But remind me, I, I need to do that. It's like it's like the official. It's in the book. You got to do sure. it. And so, you know, remind me. And you know, sometimes people would give you that look, like, "Oh no," you know. And then you know, I probably need to let this relationship cook a little more. Sometimes, and, and more often than not, they'll be like, okay, that's okay. And then you realize, okay, I've, I've got a bit of a open door, but I've already brought it up, but I've, I've sort of diffused it. I, we don't have to talk about it right now today. But remind me, I really would like to talk to you about that. I'd like for us to get to that. Um, you, if you just hear me out. You you do me a favor, and, and I'd feel better about the situation if I shared with you what I what I think has helped me, and I think it would help you. Yeah. Uh. Uh. uh I I think if you frame it that way, uh, you sort of de, de- take all the 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 awkwardness yeah. out of it, and yeah. I think that will help you a lot. I think you're absolutely right. It's kind of a counterintuitive thing that um the more gravitas you you attempt to approach it with, mm-hmm. especially if if you're kind of new at it and maybe not a uh, not particularly skilled at sharing, right? Um, it's it's kind of kind of backfires on you. Yes. Let yeah. me cue up this PowerPoint real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you know when you start, uh, you know, as, as Thomas Aquinas once said, and one of the course of human events, and <laughs> yes. you know, it's a little. But as you're saying, if you're if you just if you're cool about it, and just, yeah. So remind me to tell you about it. It's, it's one of those things. It feels to sacrilegious to people to talk about Jesus the way you talk about anything else, but that's actually kind of what we're going for here. Exactly right. You need not scare it's what the people he did. away. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's, it's what Jesus did. I mean, he just used everyday pictures, and he, and he didn't try to do the whole thing every time he did it. You know, he would just right. let me show you this little piece of it, and and I'll give it to you in you know in the story of this farmer over here. You know, so he he was real chill about it too. Right. Well, to give to give I mean a literal or example. This is a long time ago now, but you know when I had. I was making some changes in my walk with the Lord, and I was, you know, really starting to, to take that more seriously. And I'm, I'm out having dinner. It's around Christmas, the end of the calendar year. I'm with a buddy of mine who I love to death, but he's he's a super, super secular dude. Um, you know, I mean, doesn't believe anything spiritual and and lives like it. And um, and you know, we're talking. It's been you know a few months, and you were you know having a steak dinner, and he says, you know, so man, how's you know 
hey, I haven't seen you in a minute. How you been? And like, dude, actually, I'm doing really well, man. I, in in a way, I feel like I I haven't in a long time. It's like, all right, well, you know, tell me about that. It's like, well, dude, I feel like I've been able to connect with God this year in a way that that I haven't before, and and it's been really cool. And it's and it's I think I feel like I have a lot more peace in my life than I used to, and I'm 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 really digging that. And here's what was great about that moment: he didn't he didn't run away, he didn't scream, he didn't right. freak out. He smiled. Said. Dude, if that's working for you, that's awesome. Okay. That's fantastic. Right. That's great. Well, here's here's what's happening in that moment. There's an implicit invitation. Um, if you ever want to talk about God stuff, I'm your guy. Right. Um, that's right. If you ever exactly. want to get into this, I'm ready. I'll be cool about it. That's right. Um, I won't you know try and force anything on you. That's one of the three lines that you're hearing from all of us is uh, – evangelism the way we do it anyway i'm not forcing anything on anybody that's right um i'm, I'm not trying to really to even talk you into something you know mm. we're talking about starting with your actions and then a little bit with your with your words making it clear this is what i'm on it's it does something for me it's helpful to me i think it would be helpful to you mm-hmm. but you let me know when you're interested in learning more about that right. and we can get into that yeah well to use a, a different analogy um the the person who sells ferraris for a living doesn't do a lot of hard selling yeah the guy at the, at the used Hyundai dealership, he does a lot of hard selling. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of uh, devices. He's putting a lot of hard sell on you. If you sell Ferraris for a living, you say it's a Ferrari. Yeah. If you want it, great. If not, that's on you because lots of people want Ferraris. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's the other thing that kind of forges our up here in Chicago our view toward evangelism is we got more people who want to be evangelized than we could actually evangelize. Yeah. Right. Between yeah. the jailhouse and on the streets and in these churches, so. We throw it out there and say, hey, man, if you ever talk about Jesus stuff, give me a call. If that person doesn't call you, somebody else will. Yeah, that's right. And I think we get a little fixated on, I want, it's fine to want all your friends to know the Lord. It's fine, though, a little, um, can go to unhealthy places to want everybody in your family to know the Lord. But A, doesn't mean God's calling you just because you're good friends with somebody or you're related to him. Doesn't mean that's your job to do that. Right. And uh, when you, to go literary with it, when you pet the rabbit too hard, yeah, it, things don't go well. Yeah. Okay. Steinbeckdom. Wow. That's well what played, I did. sir. I went to college. <laughs> I went a little longer than most people have to. Uh, well, so occasionally I like to just put it back out there. A lot of people go to college for seven years. They're called doctors. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's uh, so many little <sighs> jokes we'll make off that one. All right, moving on to our next question here before Glenn sighs the microphone <laughs> right out of his mouth. Came in anonymously in our Tumblr inbox, and it says, How do I deal with a friend I think might be manipulating me? Not like trying to get money or anything like that, but there's always some drama going on, and she is always the victim. Nothing ever seems to get fixed. I want to love and care for my friend, but this is getting old. And Lee, why don't you start us off? Well, the funny thing about this is I think, um, by the way, thanks for writing in. It's a, it's a really important question. I think it's stuff that, that a lot of folks deal with, this kind of thing, and the the funny thing is our instinct is well if i just am really encouraging with my friend as much as possible every single time they're down or confused then that's the best way to to handle this but the problem i think that you're sensing and, and getting around to which by the way that's that that's a good you know it's it's a good and a healthy instinct i want to sure. be encouraging when my friend is down and, and so you know it's that's the way we all start out playing these things you know we don't when you don't know exactly what to do when somebody's being dramatic like this but the problem is uh, that you're starting to sense is that's not moving the needle at all. It's it's not this this person never moves past this thing. Here's the deal with drama is at some point you have to decide I'm not going to give this any more oxygen. Yeah. Um because it's just feeding it. 
it doesn't go anywhere. One of the really, really weird things is, I, I, it's it's a phrase, I don't know who made it up or anything like that, but just this idea that you you do not have to own someone else's emergency. Yes. And that's a very important thing for you. We talk a lot about boundaries on this show, but this is clearly a situation where you're going to have to set up some boundaries with this person and decide, I am not the person to solve all of their emergencies when they have when they have a problem, you know, and it feels like a five alarm fire. I, I am not the person who has to put that fire out. Here's the really cool thing that happens when you, when you decide to, to pull a full stop on some of this stuff is you find out nothing happens in the sense that the world doesn't end, your friend doesn't die, and everything's going to be okay. Um, I, I think we have a sense of if I don't respond in kind – if I don't respond with the same level of emotion and the same level of intensity and emergency that this person is feeling in the middle of this problem, then they then then the world is going to come crashing to a halt. And the fact is that if you stop giving it oxygen and say we're not doing that anymore, then mm. it's it's okay. Yeah, they the, the, they don't fall to pieces. Or if you say I'm taking a day off from that, I'm not responding to your text messages. I'm not going to respond to this anymore. We both know this isn't the problem. The, see, the thing with drama is, it feels like, and this is because of the emotions involved. It feels like it's the biggest, most important thing in the history of the world right now. Which, this is funny because I think it could sound like on this episode, just in the stuff that we've talked about so far, it could sound like we're going um, on, you know, kind of giving you kind of conflicting advice because Glenn is saying you need to respond to people's felt needs. If If the thing that they need is over here, but the thing that they're feeling is over here, they won't hear you unless you do this thing. But when people get caught up in this in this dramatic thing of they're always the victim and stuff like that, you've got to sense with some discernment when it's time to put a full stop on that and say, actually, this isn't the most important thing in the world. I know it feels like it is. I know it feels like there's nothing else in the world that's happening, but we're not doing this anymore. You have to be able to put some, you have to be able to put some stop signs on some of these, on some of these dramas, uh, on some of these dramatic things, stop owning their emergencies. And then here's a really cool thing. Keep hanging out with this person, but on your terms. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to hang out. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go watch a movie together. We're going to go get a milkshake, and then we're going to go back to – I'm going to take you back to your house. But check this out. We are not going to talk about that breakup or whatever. We're yeah. not We're not going to talk about that, that – how everybody hates you at your work. We're going to go – uh, we're gonna go to this to this movie. We're gonna go do this thing at the park or whatever, and then we're going back to your house. And hang out with this person. Keep them in your life. Keep having fun. But but uh, but you set the parameters for what that hangout's gonna be like. See it. See if that has any impact on it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic uh, way to go with things. Jed, I'd like you to pick up on. Um Lee's exactly right that boundaries are a way to go that kind of setting some things but we can actually see that what that actual conversation looks like because he's absolutely. saying it's it's we want to be loving but we also want to be firm and it takes experience to find that line absolutely well let me let me give a bit of a preamble on this which is one of the things that I really love about the people listening to this podcast is I think uh, they in general have very compassionate hearts um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's a beautiful thing and it's a wonderful thing and I want to tell you the difference between nice and kind because they're very different ideas. Nice looks at what will benefit this person during the next 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Kind looks at what will benefit this person during the next 10 years. That's, right. That's the difference between those two words. Um, Jesus calls us to be kind. 
Um, he actually doesn't really ever call us to be nice. Uh, those are very, very, very different things. The nice thing, because it, it will make them feel better for the next 10 seconds, is whatever, oh, you poor thing. It's, it must be so hard being you. I, I'm here for you again and again and again and again. That's the nice thing. Right. But it's super unkind because it's, it's allowing them to go on in a cycle where they're hurting themselves, right. um, which is really not good. Um, so here, and I've actually had to have these conversations with people. I told you about nice versus kind uh, because I need you to understand what I'm about to say is going to sound really not nice, like really a lot. Um, but it's actually really kind. I'm going to explain to you why after I've said it. Uh, the speech that you're looking for is something along these lines. My friend, you seem to be coming to me for sympathy, pity, and attention, but you also seem to keep putting yourself in situations that make you a victim when you have the ability to make changes, yet you choose not to. I am happy to help you move forward in tough areas, but I am out of gas on offering sympathy for problems you're not willing to fix. That's excellent. I would like to jump in real quick to set some, uh, defi- as long as we're defining some definitions on the way we're using the term victim here. Sure. There are people in life who are victims of things. Sure. There are people in uh, situations and cycles where they continue to be victimized. Then there is the, in quotation marks, victim. Yes. That's the one we're talking about. The person who, you know, everybody seems to be out to ruin their day. Yeah. Right. Just to be clear, yeah. I know no one thinks Jed's making fun of war orphans or something, but just right. defining our victims Well, you here. never know. That's true. So so you see, you seem to keep putting yourself in situations that make you a quotation mark victim. When you have the ability to make changes, you choose not to. I'm happy to help you move forward on tough areas, but I am out of gas on offering sympathy for problems you're not willing to fix. Moving forward, if you're not willing to make changes in an area, don't come to me looking for attention on that area. Right. Yep. Bottom line. Now, that sounds incredibly unkind. That, right. that sounds just lacking in compassion and, and just uh, how can you be less Christian than, right. than the things that we just that we just said? Well, here's here's the thing on it. When a person and again, and Matt's very right, we're talking about victims in quotation marks here, not people that are actually uh, being victimized by by their situation. Um when people are choosing to remain in situations that are hurting them, minor or major, um, you know, this is everything from, you know, the drama of everybody at work hates me uh, through to people that are, have bigger issues going on. They have the power to do something about it and they and they refuse not to. They have become their own oppressor. Right. That's that's the thing about it. They, they have become the number one thing that is hurting them. It's actually not the situation anymore. It's them. They, they are their, their biggest enemy. And in a weird way, you are confronting their enemy. It's just that their enemy isn't their situation anymore. Their enemy is them. Right. They, they are the person hurting themselves. Right. They're, um, they're putting themselves in a position to kind of play out these same victim roles again and again. Exactly right. And you've got to attack that mentality within the person. Exactly right. The thing that they're asking you to do, and we've talked about this recently, is the concept of enabling. That's the thing they're looking for yep. you to do. They're looking for you to play a role in the drama they're creating. Right. So, um, uh, so because you can't really be a quotation mark victim without an audience. Right. You can't be right. a quotation mark martyr without an audience. Right. I mean, if there's not someone to play the sad, sad mm-hmm. violin music right. for you, well, <laughs> what kind of martyr are you? Right. All right. What you're really saying, and we, we said this before on the bridge, but always bears repeating. Boundaries are never about telling other people what to do. Boundaries are always about declaring what you will or will not do. Right. And basically what you're saying is, I will not give you attention on the stuff you're doing to yourself. Right. You can keep doing it to yourself. I'm just not giving you attention on it anymore. I will not enable you anymore. I want to fix it. I I won't be the audience with the sad, sad violin music 
for the drama in your life yeah. anymore. That's that's done. Now, that sounds just so mean and harsh and unkind, but it's actually, when people get into this level of cyclical living out of drama, it's the best chance for helping them to snap out of it. The other thing, though, that it does... They're, they're going to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but they're going to come to you first when they are ready to snap out. That's exactly what I'm saying, is going back to our previous question, whenever they're ready, whether it's right now, which it probably won't be, just so you know, or 10 years from now... When they're ready for something new, they're going to respect the fact that you uh, drew a firm line there. Yeah. Um, they're going to know this was the one person in my life that was willing to be honest with me, that was willing to talk sense with me, that wasn't going to put up with my shenanigans. Therefore, they probably know how to help me move forward. Yeah. I'm going to go look them up and track them down. I want to add in one more quick thing, if I may. Um, the odds are high this conversation will not go well in the short term. Yeah. The, right. the, the odds are high. If you say what I laid down there, they will be pissed. Yes. Um, yes. Depending on the culture they come from, that pissed offness may be them being really quiet. That may be them mm, cussing you well. out. Mm, well, then mm, I see. I see. Um, that may be them cussing you out. The, the odds of them thanking you for this in the moment very low mm-hmm. um, and, and you should know that going into it. That's the other reason why people don't have this conversation when they need to. Um but this is about the long game. It's about the long game for their benefit. It's about the long game for the relationship and the friendship that you have with them. They're probably not going to like it in the short term. But again, there does come a moment. This isn't for every day. We don't do this very often. But there does come a moment when people are choosing to be stuck in a cycle of self-generated drama where this kind of confrontation is really the only thing that you have left before you. That's a great point. I think it just speaks exactly to what I'd like Glenn to break down for us here, which is um, a lot of the fear that some people have about having these kind of conversations is, um, oddly enough, a lot of the same fear they have about dating conversations, which is, I don't want to ruin the friendship. However, right. here, um, if, again, we ha- there has to be some sussing out, there has to be some defining there, but if we do have a situation, the one Lee and Jed are talking out here, it's kind of worst case scenario, this person just kind of wanting attention and sympathy on demand, what you have is not a friendship. Yeah. That's the thing, is at the end of the day, here's the thing, if it's become a one-way scenario where you're seeking whatever it is, an audience, attention, sympathy, what have you, and I'm giving it, then we don't have a friendship anymore. That yeah. friendship goes both ways. Um, so, And that's okay if you're asking for ministry, you're saying, I need you to talk and and. And uh, I need to talk to you. I need to break this stuff down. And for you to minister to me, that's fine. But now we're in a ministry relationship. This is a mentoring relationship. If I'm the mentor and you're the mentee in this situation, we have a whole different relationship. This isn't friendship. As as Joe is describing a non-friendship conversation, this is a conversation that a spiritual leader has with someone who he's discipling. And to just to jump in real quick, this stopped being a friendship a long time ago. That's the thing. Th- yeah. This isn't a recent thing. We right. might have only noticed it recently, but it right. stopped being a friendship a long time back. That's the thing. One of the things you hear us say a lot on this podcast is, you know, uh, don't get in other people's business. Don't go in there and judge people because they haven't asked you to mentor them. They haven't yeah. asked you to for whatever. They haven't, you know, sought your opinion out. They haven't whatever. This person is seeking you out they are laying out what they're going through yeah i think that's where you step in and say it sounds like you're asking me to mentor you and i'd love to sure roll up your sleeves let's get into it we are going to fix some stuff today yeah you know right now the thing is if that person is really truly ready to move forward 
They'll hear that and say, well, that's great. Awesome. Let's, let's do that. Let's, let's get underway. This is what I've been hoping we could get down to. Uh, if, if, if you take a person who's really trying to get sympathy and attention, they're sort of addicted to the attention, and they're playing out that victim mentality thing, then, of course, they're going to reject that right away. Mm. They don't want you to solve their problems because that ruins the whole scenario. Without here. my problems, what am I? Exactly right. Uh, and that's a real fear for people. That's a real concern. If I don't have problems, do people still give me attention? If, yeah. I, if I'm not a victim, if I'm not in crisis, do people still care what kind of a day I'm having, mm-hmm. what, what's going on with me, whatever? As Jed is saying, we have to, we have to, to sever that attention-getting uh, uh, ploy and give them a life outside of that crisis mode and give them a relationship outside of it of I'm not going with you on this drama trip that mm-hmm. you're laying out. I just want to know you as a person. I want to be your friend. I want us to hang out. I want us to go to the movies and have a good time here. Uh, what you're asking for is counseling and mentoring, and I'd, I'd be happy to do that. But believe me, baby girl, we're getting down to work on that. We're going to... We're, and if you want attention and sympathy while you're moving forward, sure, absolutely. Oh boy, that's easy. That's you bet. You get all the attention and sympathy you want for moving forward and solving problems. For how that's, hard it is when you're moving forward. That's exactly right. That's that's you can ask for all that you want. That's you know. But when you are in a position where you're actually hurting yourself and you want attention for that and sympathy. For a situation you're generating, you're hurting my friend, and yeah. you want me to give you sympathy? No, the answer to that's no. So it, it, uh, it's it's funny that some of this is kind of upside down and backwards, you know, from uh, the normal interactions you, you have with people. But if you understand sort of that shift and the mm-hmm. way those boundaries kind of uh, take place, it, you can shift into okay, you're asking for a different kind of relationship. And here are the yeah. rules of that new relationship. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. The thing to remember as we button this up is that both of those relationships have their uh, term, kind of terms and conditions, as it were. They're very different ones now. If you're uh, mentoring someone, so we talked about kind of spiritually discipling them, you say, you know, whatever it is, you know, oh, I think the worst thing in my life is I'm not dating and I feel like dating. Say, okay, well, what if we signed up for eHarmony? Okay, maybe. When you come down and sit down next week, say, what well, is you sign up for eHarmony? They say, no. If they say no, what you do in mentoring is you get up and leave. Yep. Right. And say, well, great. Let, let me know when you do. Next yeah. week, we'll yeah. try that again. Yep. Now you wouldn't you don't hang out with you don't hang out with your friends based on whether or not they've done the thing you advise them <laughs> right. to do. That's, that's not, right. That's not good friending. That's right. right. But that's the kind of the same that's the trade off of if you're a friend, you don't get to constantly dump your crap on me one way. That's yeah. right. If you want that's a mentor, right. then you can do that. But then yeah. that's so all there's this idea of Unconditional love, which is fine in Christianity and grace and all that, that's not the same as unconditional relationships. No. Unconditional relationships are a terrible idea. That's right. Every relationship has conditions, and people who get offended when you try to enforce said conditions are a little creepy. Yes, they're 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 on a manipulative move there. All right, you people can't see the weird face Jed's pulling at me, <laughs> but I got distracted by it there for a second. But now we're back in. We're gonna move on to our final question. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr box, and it says. What do you do in that moment when you're going to do the wrong thing and you're already set on doing the wrong thing? Been Stop there. It. Boy, have you come to the right podcast for people <laughs> who know what that's like. Can you still reach out to God, especially when this is something you do over and over again? Been there. For example, in the past, I always lied to my teachers to get more time for homework. And now I'm going to call in sick to my job to get more time for a project. 
I know the right thing to do, which is to be honest, but I just can't right now. What do I do when this kind of thing happens again? And Glenn, why don't you start us off? I think we've broken Matt. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, syntax was never my strong suit. Well, here's the thing is uh, um, the thing that makes this a healthy and good situation versus the thing that makes this a, a negative and potentially bad situation is the amount and the depth and the 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 amount uh, the 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 uh, the level of honesty in your conversation with the Lord. Just simple yes. as that. Yes. If you go you. to the Lord and you say, "Lord, I need to lie. I need to lie." And you proceed to explain that, a lot is going to come out. Yep. It will sound something like, "Lord, I need to lie to these people because you don't understand." They are evil. You don't know how these people are. Okay, you maybe you understand because you know everything, but they are evil. Let me evil. tell you. Let me tell you how this goes. I have to do something immoral because they are evil. <laughs> Not because I'm lazy. What? I don't even know where you got that, Jesus. I have to do this for <laughs> because, and th- then they made me do it. They made me lie, and you know what? If I had lied, it would make everything better. Absolutely. So I'm just trying to make things better. That's how I am. That's how I roll. You know me, Jesus. <laughs> you, know, you see what I'm saying? Is this starts to get very implausible very very quickly, and you also are going to end up saying stuff like, "I have to look out for myself by telling this lie." Yeah. As opposed to trusting that if I do things your way, then you'll come through for me and you'll make a way and so on and so forth. And, of course, that just doesn't sound right or what have you. The, the, this is where um, uh, we wrestle with what's going on in Scripture. And, yeah. and we try and figure out, how, can I actually live by this stuff? And here's what I want you to know. The more that you wrestle with it, the better. You know. Even if you get to a point where you say, I did the wrong thing anyway, if you wrestled with it, if you, if you, if you tried to have a, 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 an honest dialogue with the Lord about it, and you just got exasperated and you did the wrong thing anyway, you're still at a place where when things all go wrong, they'll all go wrong in a certain way where you say, okay, I see what that, now I get mm-hmm. what the thing. And you, because you're engaged in the process. Yeah. So even if it goes wrong, you're, you're better off wrestling. The one thing you never want to do is to say, I'm going to not talk to the Lord about it. I'm not going to bring it up to him. I'm not going to invite him into this area of my life. I'm going to put <laughs> Jesus over to the side. Jesus, hide your eyes. I'm going to go do something. Yeah. Look and, away. And look away. And then I'm going to go and do <laughs> something and then come back. And say, okay, Jesus, you won't believe this. <laughs> I had to lie to these people. It's a complicated situation. Look, you I didn't want to have to. You wouldn't understand the ins and outs and what have you. But I, just suffice it to say, I, I handled it the best way it's I could. It's really very complicated, Lord. I wouldn't want to bore you with the details. Uh, but Yeah, um, you know. Um, by the, by engaging in this, you see what's wrong with it, and you see where the Lord fits into this picture. Uh, again... Uh, the Lord understands you making mistakes. He understands, you know, not being able to get this right. He understands you wrestling with this and not quite being able to come out on the right side of it. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're engaged together, I, I believe you'll come out in, on the right side, you know. 
That's absolutely right. And Lee, I'd like to get to, to pick up this. But we like, um, as Christians, we like we like honesty, in theory. Really? Sure. Okay. Um, honesty about how holy we are, yeah. uh, how <laughs> passionate we are. And, so passionate. Mm, so passionate. Honesty. Mm, yeah. What we're talking about here is honesty in the sinning. Which maybe yeah. where honesty is a little more necessary. So can you walk us through kind of introducing that concept? I just think it, I, I I love exactly where Glenn's going on this, and and I th- I think that you know if you just the fact that you ask this question is a level of honesty that most Christians have never gotten you know in the zip code of yeah I mean of just like hey I gotta be I, I just gotta lay it out I I really wanna I I, I really wanna do this wrong thing. Yeah. I mean, what, the way most people are is like, you know, you sit down with them and like, how are things going for you? Things are going good. Yeah, it's good. They are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- things are going great. Yeah. Okay. Um, a- anything you need help with this week? No, it's been a good week. Okay. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go to the next, like, are you kidding me? How, like, I mean, if you're anything like me, then it's like, then you're plagued by different layers of levels of temptations on every front and every possible thing stuff that you haven't thought about since you were 12 and all of a sudden you're you're facing it again and it's like what what is the deal and and if here's the really cool thing i I, i've talked to a lot of you know guys young guys that i've worked with high school guys college guys specifically like when we talk about um when we talk about working your way through pornography and i'll say just as an example i'll say to these guys okay well here's what i want you to do next time that you're going to look at pornography you know the, the whole thing why don't you just talk to Jesus about it and say to him, Jesus, this is what I want to do. I really want to look at these naked people. Make me an offer. Yeah. Right. Like, you got anything better? Because, uh, you, like, do you got anything? Uh, is there anything that you can think of that would be a more engaging way for me to use my time right now? Um, I'm bored or I'm low or I'm down and try to figure out why is it I'm doing this? Yeah. What what's happening to me? Why is it that I want to do this wrong thing? And talk to the Lord about that whole process. But the idea of being honest with Jesus in the in the moment of I'm going to do this wrong thing. It, you 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 got anything better for me? Because I, I think that that one of the things that we that we really underestimate is that for most people, most of the time, the sins that they do, it's their best guess on on on, on how to act right now. This is this is the best idea I have going forward on this thing. And so just bringing Jesus into this conversation and being willing to look at it uh you, you know look at it put it on, put the whole thing on front street and say this is what I want to do. I know it's wrong. Talk me out of it. I mean, even if you went ahead and did the thing, you have started an, a conversation yep. with the living God in a way that most Christians have never come anywhere near. I, to me, I, I bet, and I'm, I'm speaking on, on the Lord's behalf here, so you know, we might be in dangerous territory, but I bet that if somebody engages the Lord that way in the middle of wanting to do a sin, in fact, doing the sin, I bet that he's like, man, this is, this is awesome. This has been the best part of my day. Sure. Yeah, they're in the middle of sinning, but we're talking about it, yes. you know. And they're st- like, like Glenn saying, we're, they're wrestling with it. They're trying to figure out. Even if they went ahead and did the thing, we have an unprecedented relationship yeah. right here, and that's yeah. what you really want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's all really good stuff on the mindset. Jed, can you just walk us through a little bit of this kind of specific uh, struggle and what we can learn from that? Absolutely. Well, dude, we're really proud of you for writing this question. Um, yeah. I think uh, if you can dig it, I think you may be kind of you may have a little bit of a misunderstanding of what your struggle is. Uh, so I don't know that your struggle is actually lying exactly. And, and I don't think that the struggle is whether or not you should 
you know, lie about this particular assignment or project. It sounds like the struggle has been historically that you have things you need to work on and you have time when you could work on them and then you don't. Right. And yeah. that and that gets us into a place where now we've got our back against the wall right. and it's supposed to be done and it's not and what are we going to do and maybe we should lie about it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. If you can dig it though, it's a different, you know, it's a different arena, but if you look at sexuality, all of us have counseled couples that are saying we're having a hard time keeping, you know, kind of our physical boundaries with each other. Yeah. Okay, well Tell me what we're dealing with. And it comes back to, well, we're half naked on her bed at her apartment with the door closed. (laughs) And it's like, how are we even going to stop this? That's not the moment to try and exert self-control. Right, right, right. The the moment to exert the self-control was to not get into that situation to begin with. If you know that you struggle with honesty... A big part of what you want to do is to work on not getting yourself into a situation where you're going to be strongly tempted to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's weird. The strongest Christians I know are also the people who are most aware of their own weaknesses. Mm-hmm. They're the people mm-hmm. who are the most cognizant really of true. their own propensities to do wrong stuff. And as a result, plan around those. Right. They say, if I – so for me, as an example, if I let myself get to a certain level of overtired – I will act like a jerk. Right. It's guaranteed. Oh, yeah. I, I will I will take things as an insult that aren't an insult. I will uh, be petty about things. I will be strongly tempted to do those things. Mm-hmm. Now, I could say, well, you know what I need to do? I just need to get better about just being loving in all circumstances. Or I could get more sleep so that I'm right. not overtired. <laughs> right, right, right. One of these is an option that's not going to work. You know, getting in the place where I have had three hours of sleep and I want to murder the world and trying to be cool when somebody cuts me off in traffic, that's not likely to work. Getting sleep, though, that will work, and it's likely to yield a whole lot of other benefits at the same time, too. Let's bring this back to you. If you say, I have a propensity, yes, I can lie under the right circumstances, but I have a propensity to put off projects um, when I could be working on them. If we do something about that, not only will that deal with the lying thing much more than we might think, I think that's going to yield a lot of other benefits in your life. Yeah. I bet that there's a lack of peace in your life because right. you feel like you're constantly behind the eight ball. Yes. How much more peace would we have if we didn't feel constantly behind the eight ball? Isn't right. that peace worth it? Isn't yes. it worth it to put in a little bit of extra planning and whatnot so that we can not only not be lying but have peace? I think there's a ton of payoff, a ton of return on investment. The weight's on the other side of figuring out where's the real struggle, which again for you I imagine has to do with kind of organization and planning and putting our effort into that and seeing some growth in that area. You're absolutely right on that. I think a symptomatic thing that that speaks to, I think, even if it's not organization planning, a problem a lot of people have is um, on some level this feels like, could be wrong to me, but um, feels like we're feeling our way through life as opposed to thinking our way through life. So, So here's the thing, and I know this is true for me, when you have a project... Everything feels better than working on the project. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> doing other things, doing nothing. Yes, anything. Um, sitting around stressing about how you're not done with the project yet. Much more emotionally satisfying than actually doing the project. Then you get to the moment at the end, and as, as Glenn is pointing out, instead of trying to figure out a, uh, a smart way to address, to explain to whatever superior or figure something out, now we're just overcome with terror, and we start making <laughs> stuff up. Yeah. Here's a couple problems with that. First of all, it's about the third time you happen to call in sick on the day of projects due. They're going to catch on. Somebody's going to catch on to that. But the other thing is that's kind of an overall pattern for the way a lot of people try to deal with life, which is what's uh, the strongest feeling I have right now 
and then I will do whatever that dictates. And you're learning, as everyone who tries that uh, philosophy does, is that does not lead to anything <laughs> actually positive. Occasionally, you have to uh, engage in things like delayed gratification, and you have to, as the Book of Romans says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. And hopefully not transformed by being kicked out of college, like some of us were, <laughs> to learn our lesson about procrastination. That's the thing. Is it, it's, as, as I said, as, Joe, as said, Jed's saying here, this kind of thinking can either, that's again, that comes down to a feeling thing. You realize now it's a problem. Now you can wait till it really catches up to you and you get fired. And then the thought, a lot of times the thought is the cycle on this is you go through the whole thing with feelings and then you, you thing, you've called in sick, you turn it in a day late. The boss gives you that look like, I don't really think you were sick, but I can't prove it. So here's the thing now. And then you have that, oh, this feels so terrible. I'm going to remember this feeling next time and start that product project a month early. Here's the problem with that. Nobody remembers feelings. Yeah, no. That's, right. mm-hmm. that's, actually, that's actually psychologically true. Yeah, they just wear Emotions off. Emotions do not yeah. stick yeah. in your brain. Yeah. They do not make an impression. Wow. Keep that in mind, preachers out there who try to go feelings only. Emotions do not stick in your brain. That's right. But if you have a thought of, you know what? Here's what I did this time. Next time, I must think of this differently. Yes. That actually is a lot more. That's actually going to be a lot more good in the long term. And again, we can sympathize. I can sympathize. We all know it's a tough thing, but believe us. Just trust us on this one as opposed to finding out for yourself. <laughs> yes. Don't learn this one the hard way, man. As a lot of things in this as a lot of the things in this podcast go, we've made these terrible mistakes and suffered the consequences, so you don't have to. Yes. That's right. If you have a question for us, you can find us at say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge chicago.tumblr.com. We talked a lot on this show about kind of things people are maybe nervous or scared about uh, a new thing they're trying, be that um, setting boundaries or um, not procrastinating or having a conversation about evangelism. Uh, this is a, we're going to take you out with a song that Jed wrote for our men and women of the bridge worship called you're already there about kind of going, mm. doing a new thing. And Jesus yeah. already being there for you. So we're going to take you out with that. Thanks for listening. If you just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The say that podcast couple skate for romance for life or die. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I'm alone. I don't know why, but I feel like something's wrong with me. Somewhere deep inside And I get so scared That God you're not with me Not this time And that must mean I'm on my own And nothing's alright